Hello and welcome to another episode of the Diaspora Collective podcast. My name is Dilali and today I'm joined by Mel, Dominique and Abba. This episode will discuss the power of cancel culture and the importance of deplatforming individuals, corporations and industries who perpetuate hate crimes, racist ideologies and oppression against communities and relate this discussion to the extremely frustrating current events including the racist actions of Wiley and the BBC. So yeah, it's been a mad couple of weeks, guys. Um, <laughs> all the racists have been calling out of the woodworks, which is both traumatising and yeah, just traumatising. So I guess we'll kind of start off with Wiley um, and setting the context around um, his really awful actions and the anti-Semitic tropes that he's been perpetuating and then um the response to all of that so yeah summarize what's been going on I mean we're not gonna say what he said because it is super offensive Mm -hmm. and we're not gonna trigger any people or perpetuate any more of that trauma but for anybody that doesn't know um we will just give a little context of what's been going on and yeah why what he said is extremely racist and offensive yeah I mean, I think we just kind of want to start off with like a public announcement that we do not support what he said or Mm -hmm. him at all anymore for what, I don't know, obviously the tweets that he was saying were extremely offensive and anti-Semitic. And we also obviously support like the Jewish community and against any kind of discrimination, racism, anti-Semitic behaviour as a whole. It's like against the very like, I I don't know what we're about really. Yeah. 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 Um, I mean... I just was, I think everyone was really shocked. It seemed to just come out of nowhere. I mean, no one mm. even kind of knew. I didn't even know that type of, I don't know. I just was, okay, I'm saying, guys, someone else take over because I've lost my train of thought. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I think it's like the surprise because with some people, you know that like they're racist and yeah. you know that's brewing under mm. the surface. And it's like, we've all known he's mad and he does very, very crazy things. Um, but I think that was just such an awful surprise for people. And like you said, obviously there were supposed personal experiences that had triggered it for him, but there was nothing that we had seen as the general public to really warrant him going on that sort of rant. Apart from the fact that he's just generally mad anyway, um, but there's nothing that we'd seen as like, Mm. yeah, as a catalyst to that situation. I think regardless of the reasoning, behind why he did it it wasn't acceptable and it's not something that he should have done and I think actually I think what's more shocking is just how open he was about it and so unapologetic yeah I think that is a major thing is when someone who is obviously in the public eye and has a platform and then uses that platform in a way that is hurtful Mm. and dangerous I suppose like perpetuating tropes about any kind of any community is dangerous um, Mm -hmm. and hurtful and traumatic, especially when that particular community has experienced so much oppression throughout history and continue to do so. Mm. So Definitely. I think there was, like, a lot of people on... What was, like, really sadly surprising was how many people were kind of backing Wiley up. And, like, obviously when what he said came out, and it is, like severely anti-semitic and severely racist there were a lot of people that were like 
what he's saying isn't racist mm. and things like that sure. and it's just it's really important to contextualize of history like the stuff that he said mm. are tropes that have been pushed through history for a really long time to justify a lot of really heinous acts against Jewish people including genocide but also just like categorizing them all of the sort mm. of stuff that we know that they've been through um and for me it was just really shocking how so many people didn't get why what he was saying is anti-semitic i mean it's racist anyway to get on a platform and just to be like shouting generalizations about any group or any identity but then on top of that what he said was actually like really embedded in really horrific historical mm. events like the language that he used um and yeah it was just shocking to me um how many people just didn't understand that mm. um and i guess what like it emphasizes and I think what we all need to understand is that when it comes to different communities like racism doesn't look the same for mm-hmm. all communities I think because he wasn't the stuff that he said wasn't he wasn't using kind of slurs against Jewish people to a lot of people they were like he's not being racist but being racist isn't only yeah. using exactly. slur yeah. um and it looks like racism looks different Islamophobia looks completely different to anti-blackness which looks completely different to anti-semitism mm-hmm. but it's all mm-hmm. racism um and just because that's not how you've experienced racism where you've mm-hmm. seen other people experience racism doesn't mean that what that person is saying and doing isn't racist mm-hmm. um so yeah that was just really i was just like wow people just really don't get it's it not <laughs> lack of education. And it was really shocking it's just a lack yeah. of education as yeah. well like it, you don't have to be of that particular race or from that particular community to know that what was being said or if something is being said is wrong and could it be from, like I said, lack of education? Could it be because some people idolise him or they think, oh, no, of course he can't be, like, being racist because why would he say something like that? I, I don't really know, like, why you would back it. I was going to say, I feel like as well, like, anti-Semitism is often framed, like, in the past due to, like, obviously the Holocaust yeah. and stuff like that. But, like, I was reading a little bit online about, like, things going on at the moment and like it was like I think it was forty one percent of European Jews have considered moving due to like a growing like anti-Semitic kind of atmosphere they've been feeling. So and sad. I think as well, like ninety percent said that um, they've noticed it worsening a lot in the past five years. So like mm-hmm. I think it's important to just highlight that it's obviously the past is really important. I would never try to diminish that, but like these problems are still ongoing. Mm-hmm. Like. That's obviously Wiley's action show. Yeah, I think what I was just going to mention was following up on Abba's point um, previously, was that, you know, you said how you don't need to be of the community or from the community or from that race to to understand that something is um, racist or offensive. But I think also, like, part and parcel of that is that if someone from that community acknowledges that or says that it is offensive or that it is racist um, or is traumatic for them, then Mm -hmm. that should be good enough reason Mm -hmm. to to acknowledge it and say, you know, okay, I don't understand it. I've never, and I will never understand it, Mm -hmm. but I appreciate you taking the time to share share your experience mm-hmm. with me share your thoughts with me and tell me that that's not okay i acknowledge it i accept it and i will not do that going mm-hmm. forward so mm-hmm, i think mm-hmm. that's like a big thing yeah i completely agree with you dom it's definitely what's needed because i think when it came out it was just so sad to see like obviously a lot of people who were jewish or just 
understood what he was like what he was saying and how that was anti-semitic was saying this is anti-semitic and it was just the wave of people like it's not it's not it's not for you to dictate to people what what their experience of racism Mm. is like oh god especially in this country just people just cannot wrap their head around the lived experiences of other people um if you (laughs) if you're not within it how can you dictate it Mm. to somebody who's within it and I think especially because some of the stuff I I don't know I think it comes to my understanding of what some communities are what they look like where they're placed in society Mm. they all experience their because it's both an ethnicity and a religion Mm. they all experience everything Mm. differently and so I just really think you can't really then decide to dictate to them that that's not that they're not having a discriminatory or oppressive experience by what somebody mm-hmm. is doing and what somebody is saying. Let's try and relate this back to what we're discussing about can- council co- culture, because I'm quite aware, like, none of us are Jewish. I want to tread super carefully and super lightly um, on this uh, topic. And I don't want to, oh, my God, I don't even want to get into, like, who's more oppressed because mm. now this is not the platform not that, to have yeah. an oppression. No. We're not doing oppression no, Olympics. Indeed. We're not doing um, oppression Olympics today. And I think today. it <laughs> might be helpful for us to kind of explain what we mean by oppression Olympics just before we move on because some people might not be familiar with that terminology. Uh, so my understanding of oppression Olympics is basically when people try and put oppression into a hierarchy. Mm. So by saying, because I am this, or I identify with this race, this gender, this way, my lived experience is more oppressive, or I experience oppression more than you. So it's basically when you try and create a competition out of oppression, which is mad anyway, mm. because anyone who is <laughs> fully, fully oppressed won't have the time to sit there mm. and demand that they are more oppressed than somebody mm. else. They'll just want to deal with their oppression um so yeah that's basically what oppression olympics is yeah i guess good good um summary yeah. sorry that's well, half a sarcastic good summary that was so, that was just so like, you know, off the tongue. um but anyway uh let's move on to oh thank you delali for that explanation but let's move on to <laughs> how this relates to the larger um conversation around cancel culture and what that actually means yeah so who wants to give the definition of cancel culture before we get deep into kind of how what's happened with Wiley really relates to cancel culture and how cancel culture is getting mobilized in relation to kind of like experiences of um, discrimination or just like major transgressions in society and all of that jazz So I feel like the definition of cancel culture is cancel culture or call out culture describes either a form of boycott in which someone is thrust out of social or professional circles, either online, on social media, in the real world or both. They are then said to be, quote unquote, cancelled. Call out culture, though, does precede actually being cancelled. So like some people prefer that because then it kind of like is a bit more remedial rather than punitive like it doesn't like cast them out straight away it kind of sometimes gives them room for growth if they deserve it obviously um and then we just want to discuss kind of effective council culture and like how that kind of relates to our lived experience and also obviously everything with going with Wiley such as he was dropped by his management there was a police investigation um I think all his music was removed from like 
all of like the platforms mm. that you'd listen to them mm. on. There were calls for his MBE to be revoked. And like, was that effective? Or do you think your kind of guys can agree with that? Mm. I think it is so effective because of how much we use social media these days. Like the way things can, like opinions can be formed, the way information is passed around, you know, hearing about when these things happen purely through social media because of like the sheer amount that we use i think council culture can actually be so effective but at the same time i do think it's one of those things where if it's not constantly being spoken about it's very easily forgotten because like so many things mm-hmm. are happening especially even now nowadays mm-hmm. so many things are happening mm-hmm. so you know if it wasn't i don't think if it was for social media and people actually really pushing for the fact that you know why needs to be appropriately dealt with it would have just been like uproar for however many days or whatever and then when the next story comes along it would have just been forgotten Mm, but then I think it really is a telltale sign because you know someone like Wiley what was it within was it even a few days or also like Mm -hmm. you know so much had happened whereas you have people like Katie Hopkins who's been on Twitter for years Guys, I've been praying. <laughs> I've been praying for years for that woman to be like to get removed. She she's been at the but front. She's been at the front of my prayers. It was hard though for her to get removed because, like, <laughs> I used to report her all the bloody time. It'd be like at least five times a week. Well. I report this woman. So I was like, this woman needs to be held accountable for her disgusting, disgusting <laughs> tweets. Exactly. And like, they make it difficult. Like when you're reporting her, like I don't know what's wrong. Like literally, the system like basically goes back to what we were talking about the other week in the other episode. <laughs> system's not built for us mm. and people like Katie Hopkins <laughs> just show that they're just a pure illustration of that really exactly and it just shows like it, why, yeah. why is it for however many years that she's been able to say pretty much anything and everything with no consequence and then Wiley says this and it was like in an instant now please let the record show <laughs> that we're not saying <laughs> that what he did was worse than her. What she did was like, both of what they they are it was awful. Both of them need to be revoked equally. But why is it has why is it taking so long for someone like Katie Hopkins to only now be revoked? Why was there so much? This is what is it comes down to for me. This is what it boils down to to for me. Where is the consistency? Mm. Why are we not Thank treating you. all forms of oppression in the same way? Why mm-hmm. is it? one rule for one person and another and the oppression that they're kind of mm-hmm. um perpetuating and another rule for someone else like why does why does someone like katie hopkins okay let's let's say you take out twitter for example no, but she thrives, but she has... she thrives her career her whole career True. is based on her being this is the thing and her saying controversial things, yeah. and her being offensive, and mm. her perpetuating certain oppressions to different communities is the same with Piers Morgan. Why mm. has Piers not been cancelled? Why does well, Piers not have saying, a platform? Yeah. That's what why I'm saying. Is like, Piers why are still on daytime them... TV? Exactly. Like, why do they give them the platforms but... to be able to? Because that's what I'm saying. If you bar Twitter, for example, because Twitter, let's say that's something that they're going to use their own for their own personal use, own personal opinions. But something like date, like you said, um, Dom, daytime TV news outlets like they get given airtime they get given the mm. opportunities to go to these places it's not like they own them it's not like it's not like mm. they probably pay these people or they might do who knows but they actually get mm. given the opportunities to say these things yeah. on broad daylight daytime prime tv but do you do you really I mean, think that there's that much of a distinction between twitter and um 
like daytime TV? I know mm. that it may sound like a really silly question, but just in terms of the reach, mm. The mm. no not in, ter- not in terms of the reach and also not in the terms of their structure mm. and this is the point i want to make like abby you said um like council culture doesn't stick because of individuals yeah there's an individual responsibility if i decide that okay this person's cancelled it's yeah. then my responsibility that don't engage with yeah. their content anymore don't do anything that perpetuates their stuff getting spread further because people are fickle they say someone's cancelled and they'll buy from that same brand again or they'll still listen to that person's music or they'll engage with their content Mm. if you cancel somebody you actually have to cancel them and then it also has to happen on a mass level so I actually don't think you can have cancel culture without the platforms Mm. themselves taking action because I don't actually think it was individual people that got widely cancelled mm-hmm. because people did that. It was the fact that Facebook yeah. were like, we're shutting yeah, down his Facebook, yeah. Instagram, like, we're shutting down his account. Like he got he got kicked off TikTok. <laughs> TikTok, <laughs> the champions of racism, <laughs> kicked him off. And without that, he would still be able to like Kate Hopkins, people cancel all the time and she comes back and she makes another yeah. video. And it's like, I don't think you can have that without the corporations or the people Facilita- who have yeah. like yeah. the, yeah, the, who give them the facilities to shut that off. And I think what we're trying to say, so people don't misconstrue what we're saying, like I have no problem with Wiley getting everything mm-hmm. he has access to shut down for being anti-Semitic. The problem is people that perpetuate other forms of racism repeat offenders of anti-blackness, mm. Islamophobia, yeah. homophobia, transphobia. J.K. Rowling went on that oh my transphobic God. rant. Absolutely disgusting. And they didn't take her off the platform. Nothing has happened. I can still go to Waterstones and buy Harry Potter if I want to. She's a shaper of young people's mm. minds. Why is her stuff still available for consumption? Yeah. And that's when it's like, it, like Don was saying, is, is there equity in how people are effectively cancelled because to me it was bittersweet like seeing what happened to Wiley because I was like oh my god amazing he's off everything then I was like hold up wait a minute where was the energy (laughs) where was this energy these these people have had the power to do this this whole time and yet when other people do stuff they're like oh freedom of speech it's freedom of speech till the cows come home you've got to let them have their platform say what they say do you not think that freedom of speech means more when you look a certain way. Yeah, well, you're allowed a bit more freedom of speech, aren't you? If you look a certain way, I feel like, like, yeah, definitely. even though I, I wanted to like mention this example of like, okay, I think her name's like, uh, she was a BBC reporter. I think she's called Naga Manchetti. Do you remember last year mm-hmm. she got like kicked off her like news reporter thingy because she spoke against Trump because Trump yes. said that basically, like, if you're a a black person, minority ethnic group, person of colour, whatever, like you should go back home. And he, she said, like, that was seeded in racism. And yeah. remember, like, and she got yeah. kicked off straight away because it wasn't within guidelines. And then, um, like, there was this whole, like, the whole public basically had to get behind her straight mm-hmm, away mm-hmm. for her to go and get her job back. But why would but you, then, want, like, why would you want to, to still work? To still work in an organisation yeah, that with, that upholds that that kind of Awful. or those views. Mm. To, I mean, it's Listen, really. We'll it's... come to the BBC in a minute because <laughs> honestly, <laughs> BBC is that whole... was one example of many. <laughs> yeah, Trump being <laughs> racist isn't really up for discussion, in my opinion. There's no so, like him and all of his views are incredibly problematic. But like, let's not make this about him. Um, let me just gather my trail of thought. 
go for it. Oh my god, what a breakdown earlier when I forgot what I was saying halfway through. I think I've awoken it's now. So <laughs> you, she's allowed. I'm, I'm, the, I'm um, impassioned by the topic. Do you know what? what <laughs> so whenever sorry. you um, talk about people not being able to wrap their head around racism, I just remember when Katie Hopkins dressed up in a burqa. <sighs> And there were still people in the comments like, that's not racist. And I was literally, that's what I actually lost faith in this country. And I was like, fully take me out. Just take no. me out. Beam me out of this experience. I don't know. You cannot argue with stupid, though. That's all I've always mm. been told. <laughs> it's true. You argue stupid. Pure facts. Um, a lot of people have um, a really difficult time acknowledging what racism is, what racism looks like, because people are so used to it being covert. I mean, sorry, overt. Mm-hmm. Um, so, like that saying, the N word, that's like physical racial attacks, that's like police brutality. So, when it doesn't look a certain way, people are less likely to take it yeah, seriously. Sure. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's why even the word racist was censored in one of the articles that i've read previously i think it was related to churchill's statue and they said the r word in relation to um <laughs> racist being spray painted onto um the plinth that his statue was on so it seems as though i think this is something that's come out quite re- like come out quite recently we've mm-hmm. been new like it seems mm-hmm. as though it's more offensive to be called racist than it is mm. to be racist mm. yeah definitely um and i mean yeah i think it is really important that people and and that's why like people are like cancel culture doesn't exist well it does exist but it's just not like it's not done effectively mm. and i think i hope now i mean they've all shown themselves mm. they've shown what they can do and now if somebody else comes out and does something and they don't do anything about it, they're just going to expose like themselves mm-hmm. for who they are. Like all of the platforms, when they don't take action anymore, it's going to be very obvious mm. that they haven't like done anything. But do you not think I'm it's waiting for not Jeffree been... Star to get to yeah, Do you not think <laughs> it's obvious already of what is kind of been ac- accepted by these the, the platforms and what hasn't been? Because the fact that there has been nothing done about Jeffree Star um he can still saw up his Chanel handbags on YouTube videos it's useless content that I don't care Mm. about and Mm -hmm. that still gets millions of views all the money from the advertising gets put straight in his pocket and that is oh his pocket and that like perpetuates certain oppression to certain people like Jeffree Star is racist as hell yeah and there's still people that are buying um the stuff do you know how much it takes for me to not listen to Doja Cat because I know she's not like she's (laughs) so problematic like I was gonna say you guys know how I feel about my Morphe brushes now I can't look at my Morphe brushes every single time I do my makeup I have a breakdown (laughs) um but yeah I mean I'll let Abba do her point and then I'll come back oh, to it. Was just, it was more of like a, um, a question in terms of like, do you think that cancel culture isn't necessarily sometimes effective because people want to make, I don't know, want to make room for, oh, these people apologise, they said they're sorry, so shouldn't we give them the benefit of the doubt to potentially change? The answer is no. 
<laughs> I think this relates to what Delali was saying about repeat offenders. Yeah, like, there's certain exactly. things that people have done. Like Nella Rose got called out, and people were calling for her to to be cancelled. She came out with a video, and she was so sincere about yeah. everything that she had said, mm-hmm. and like you could tell that it was genuine. Yeah. Whereas you have someone like Doja Cat in her apology video played the start of every single apology video that she had recorded and there were about 90 of them then she hops on live and starts like just talking about whatever it was that she was doing oh she was basically um for people who don't know that she was in like um alt-right groups kind of egging allegedly in an insult and yeah an insult groups like egging the guys on and like saying racist things and she kind of just said like well it's what i've always done and i find it quite fun <laughs> so and it's just like what was the po- why am i here what is the point of me logging onto this apology when that's not an apology i'm sorry you felt offended oh, literally i know we're supposed to have a really serious conversation um and we can't put I don't want to set the precedent of putting on the serious links in our resource roadmaps afterwards. But one of my favorite things to do is to go on YouTube and there's a girl that does like compilations of um, like TikTokers and influencers apology videos <laughs> for being racist. Yeah. And they are the funniest thing to watch because people are just pathetic. <laughs> this one guy, he sounded like he was asleep. I was like, wake up. Like, just wake up. But it is the repeat mm. offender thing. And like to make it a bit more serious, MPs, our prime minister, those people are racist on regular occasions and it's about the platforms that enable them to be racist. They continue to get votes. People continue to have them sit on boards. They don't get anything taken away Mm. from them. They literally say the most divisive, racially charged comments and then they become elected officials. And it's like, I can cancel them on my like individual level, decide not to vote for them. But until parliament literally rectifies itself and is like, we're not going to allow MPs in who have a history of doing X, Y, and Z, then that's what needs to happen effectively. So it needs to be like a combination of the individual plus like the mass mobilization to kind of take these people down. Because to me, like, yeah, I get it when people say cancel culture doesn't work because Boris Johnson is our MP and I've been trying to cancel him since <laughs> since I could literally, like, read. Like, I've had enough of the guy and he's still there. Um, but, yeah, I just think that's... It, it's really difficult because it's like, how much can you do? But then you you see what can happen. When it's done effectively. Um, yeah, exactly. And you just want all things to be treated with the same sincerity mm. and urgency um, when it comes to any experience of racism, oppression, or persecution at all, mm-hmm. that is how we should be handling all individuals mm-hmm. across the board, regardless. Yeah. And then address their room for education, because saying that they need to be educated doesn't do anything about the immediate harm that mm-hmm. they're doing. Like, deal with it first and then give them the room to authentically educate themselves. Mm, I think as well, like, especially I know in England, like, we've got a massive class problem. Like, I feel like a lot of times we were from the upper class, you're kind of given this little bit of leeway, like Boris Johnson, basically anyone from Asian who's ever been in politics, whereas people like, <laughs> I do not agree with what Wiley said, and I agree that he got cancelled, but he's obviously not from that background. And look at his treatment straight away. Katie Hopkins, to me, is pretty posh. I feel like she gets away <laughs> with things as well. 
So I feel like mm. it's important like to highlight that as well as obviously race is important. But like in England as well, like I feel like the class problem, like really like, I don't know, like exaggerates everything. Yeah. 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 yeah like, oh, he's just a bumbling idiot from <clears throat> Eton. Like, no, he's not. He's a bona fide no. racist. I've, and also one of the most powerful men in I've the world. I actually so. heard <laughs> that he's so clocked on and it's so true. Like you don't get into the position of prime minister. Like you said, Dale, the, um, one of the most powerful positions um, in the world by being a bumbling idiot like the guy switched mm. on no one can convince me otherwise and the way that he actually actively dismisses the things that he said in the past and deflects is mm. like unreal I've never seen anything like it like I think I've seen quite a few interviews where people have brought um, things that he's written in the past and he's literally been like well I've written a lot of things so you can't expect me to remember every single one it's mm. just like do you know how traumatic some of those yeah, things exactly. would have been for people to read um, and he can just kind of deflect it, push it under the rug and doesn't have to talk about it. I don't know. It's not for me. The guy's got to go. <laughs> um, and obviously we're not telling anybody, like, however you want to vote, that's your own personal mm. choice, opinion. Literally me, it's like, the, the guy's right. going to go! <laughs> <laughs> is you know you have political rights but people need to acknowledge the people that they're voting in and accept responsibility for that if you feel comfortable enough voting in somebody that says x y and z then that's your own own it but then like dom said it's not for you then to turn around and him to turn around and be like i wasn't being racist <laughs> you literally called us pickaninnies and you're gonna be like i'm not being racist mm. like the two are not the two are not adding up so yeah the whole thing is a big mess but um I think deplatforming is really important because yeah people do have access to these massive platforms and until that that's handled there isn't really a lot that we can do about repeat offenders like Katie Hopkins isn't on Twitter anymore yet she still managed to get a video out replying about Wiley and still doing her nonsense um and I think deplatforming is important because it kind of brings us back to like the BBC, um, who a lot of people might not know. Some people might know there's obviously a big BBC boycott at the moment mm. um, planned for tomorrow, which I will be definitely joining in. Um, mm. And I hope as many people as possible will be joining in to actively support the black community for the trauma and the wrongs that they have done against us over the past couple of weeks. Um, but yeah, I don't know if anybody um, wanted to kind of set the context for that before we get into it. So um, if for our listeners who may not be aware, and actually we see we've got a few listeners abroad, so you may not have the BBC. <laughs> Mr. Well, <Worldwide. laughs> <laughs> The BBC have used the Emirate basically on two occasions. Um, so the first one was um, in the coverage in a racial attack on a 21-year-old um, Bristolian musician artist, uh, K-Dog. And then the second occasion was um, in a history commentary on the American Civil War. Um, now, they didn't refer to it as the N-word. They actually said the whole word with chest, with vim. So it was uncensored. With chest, with mm-hmm. vim, with no hesitation. Really uncensored. I mean, they said before they said the word, they were like, this may be disturbing to some viewers. May. Yeah, but if you know that, why exactly. are you saying it? When, when they said that, I thought, oh my gosh, they're going to like, maybe put it up in blurred or they're just going to say, call dinner. Yeah. yeah. But then when I heard... Or like a video yeah, or heard, something. Oh, wait, oh, oh, who? 
Wow, not even a stopper. I was so shocked. I, I was so triggered. I remember seeing the video for the first time and I was like, I actually can't believe that that's happened. Mm-hmm. Um, but then I remembered where I was <laughs> and that anything can happen, <laughs> really. And actually so, there wasn't. Um, and it's 2020, so... You remember that we're living in... And there were actual... We're living, living in the bad place. Yeah, complaints were so. actually put in. So, like, I think it was, like, what say, over 18,000 complaints put in, but it still wasn't revoked. And I believe the BBC actually responded um, almost like they weren't sorry for what they did. But then... <laughs> Like a few. No, wait. the the reason The reason why they said that they weren't sorry was because apparently they spoke to the family oh. of the person who was racially attacked, yeah. and the family advocated for the word to be put mm-hmm. in. So um, their official statement is: "We accept this has caused offence, but we would like people to understand why we took the decision we did." The victim's family asked us to specifically show the photos of this man's injuries and were also determined we should report the racist language in full alleged to have been spoken by the occupants of the car. Notwithstanding the family's wishes, we independently considered whether the use of the word was editorially justified given the context. The word is used on air rarely, and in this case, with all cases, the decision to use it was in, in full was made by a team of people, including a number of senior editorial figures. They could have chosen a broadcaster that wasn't a white woman, though. Yeah, I, feel. I thought like they the also hell? could have. Said I mean, that. it's one thing to say the word on on air, anyway, mm. and then also it being said by someone who definitely mm. should not have said it. Do you think? I think it. Um, I'm just thinking that I. It would have been not effective, but I feel like that statement. Or obviously, because they before they broadcast that, that obviously would have been a case where the family said, you know, we want you to say the whole racial slur. We want you to basically, we want the news to tell them what happened. And I feel like they should have said that like prior, because then when you when they just said it, everyone is going to watch that thinking, or just get the family to say it themselves, and then it's like, their but then their if testimony, you... it's their words. And they can... I know. I'm sorry, but like, since when is the BBC cares about black families? They do it in their coverage all the time. I was reading like a thing the other day where they were reporting somewhere. I don't know Birmingham, and they were trying to get like community like comments. Um, and they came and knocked on this family's door who was Sikh, and they were like, "We need you to come out because there's not enough diversity in the people that we're interviewing." Okay. And then their comments weren't even used. And when they did the coverage, they still only used the white people that lived in that area. Okay. Um, I feel like any other, like, like broadcasting ch- platform, like Channel 4, do quite a good job in terms of supporting, quote-unquote, minority communities in their coverage and the documentaries mm. that they do, all of that sort of stuff. The BBC's reputation for handling topics around racism like Mel said, firing your broadcasters for speaking out with racist um, experiences that they've had is not good. So I just don't think that's an authentic argument. Mm. And I think, fair enough, the family might have said that you want they want to do it, but if they had the right people in the room, somebody would have said, you're going to trigger a lot of people. Like, the same way they obviously made the decision that we're not going to broadcast Wiley's tweets on live national mm. TV... Mm that same sort of sensitivity should have been used. Okay, there's an emphasis for it. I understand there's an emphasis for it for editorial purposes and trying to like accurately portray what's happened and how 
horrible of an attack it was. But socially and personally, for people to watch that on daytime TV, young black kids, mm. people who have just recently been out protesting, who have just recently been seeing a wave of like trauma of black bodies being mm. like murdered and abused on the internet, considering the spike of hate crimes that you're reporting on, all of that sort of stuff. What is actually the long term effect of you broadcasting that on national TV? And I just think anyone in the room who was pro- like properly socially aware should should have thought about that. Even like there was um, another incident that came out where in a history commentary, uh, the historian Lucy Walsley used it to comment on, on something, used the same word, the N word, to comment about something going on in the American Civil War. And they then backed it up again by saying that she gave like a word of warning um, as the term, this is a quote, clearly has the potential to cause offence. And I just feel like the word potential as well is like so problematic using that sentence because it it just yeah. minimises like the yeah. black lived experience and like kind of shows, oh, well, some of you might like it. It's like the same argument of like, oh, um, well, you guys sing it in your songs almost. Yeah, I was about to bring that up actually, like, yeah. It literally Very mirrors that. Yeah, it's like, well, only some of you got offended. So who cares? Exactly. It's like, if you're offended, that's your mm. problem. And we told you you were going to be, you might be mm. offended. Um, mm. That doesn't justify you using that on TV. And I think like London Hughes, she did a really good post and she was like, I just can't imagine like when the BBC were refusing to apologise and stuff. Like, I can't imagine sitting my daughter in front of TV and knowing that it might just occasionally pop up mm. because that day they decide it's all of a sudden appropriate to say that on national TV twice. I don't think, like, why should we have to experience that? And then thousands of people complain. You ignore all of the complaints and all of that stuff. And then you finally take responsibility. But, like, the way they took responsibility was so weak compared to the energy that they put behind using Mm. it. Like, it was barely an official statement. They could have made the apology on national TV the same place that they made Mm. the transgression. They decided it wasn't important enough to. So, yeah, I just don't buy it from them. I don't really think they care at all. Yeah. I'm just reading the um, the statement. You want to read yeah. it out, what does it say? It's, um, so BBC Director General Tony Hall has apologised for the use of the N-word during a the aggravated Bristol attack. In an email sent to colleagues, he said, oh, an email sent to colleagues? This wasn't even a public <laughs> statement. Mm-hmm. Okay. The BBC no. now understands that we should have taken... Di- a different approach at the time of broadcast and we are very sorry for that every organization should be able to acknowledge when it has made a mistake we made one here four lines in an internal email to colleagues you did the thing on national tv twice you can't even put a public statement Mm. out to the nation and say like we're sorry so don't tell me that like that's an authentic apology how can you just decide that the only people that you need to apologise to are your employees and in four lines, not even like a properly deep, reflective statement? I don't know. I don't Do you know what? It. Actually, I'm when just, you put that yeah. into context about the defence, the, the statement they made in defence of using the word, it was a full mm-hmm. email. I remember reading mm-hmm. it because I know, I think it was, um, it was circulated on Twitter and Instagram. Um, but just that kind of like this pales in comparison to that. Why are they so vehemently 
defending the use mm-hmm. of the word, and then when it comes to the apology, it's four lines and then done with it. I wonder what made them like send that internal email to say that oh actually maybe we did make a mistake because they clearly didn't feel like it was people a mistake were, people in were, the first place people were kicking mm. off people though. were like leaving yeah like, true oh yeah, yeah with sideman as well when yeah. he, yeah. he, when he yeah. left big up sideman for leaving because i think a lot of the time stuff happens especially as like black people you do have a massive fear of standing up and like taking mass action I think there's lots of things like whether it's for like economical reasons or just kind of fear that nobody else is gonna stand like beside you when you take that sort of affirmative action as an individual um especially in the face of people like the BBC Mm -hmm. who internally there are so many experiences people have had that are awful um yeah I really rated him for leaving um and I think it was just like the PR like the PR was mounting especially when he quit um and then the um the complaints were going up kind of thing but they just yeah like Dom said they just didn't come with the same energy and Lucy Walsley was it you Dom that said she put her uh, her um apology out on Twitter yeah she tweeted it a tweet that now has 220 characters that's it (laughs) like (laughs) that's all you're gonna say jeez um and yeah I mean I know we spoke about performative activism and stuff but I mean all these people that are reading white fragility and dear white people and stuff this is when mm. it actually matters that you did something like there's so many people in the BBC who could have taken action alongside Sideman and quit or done stuff like that and they didn't mm. like people just kind of sat there um so I think it, it's also about like when being an ally actually counts and true allies are like prepared to lose something for what they believe in um and it's kind of sad to see that people weren't really prepared to do anything about like the BBC yeah yeah but how how do they move on from this because they're like playing the devil's advocate here and like I, I really don't like saying that but it's just a bit in a conversation because it makes everything hypothetical mm. and not mm-hmm. acknowledging people's real experiences but in terms of the way that they react now obviously this boycott's going to be happening tomorrow in their defense they have sent out an apology in some way shape mm. or form but they've acknowledged their wrongdoing so it's how how do they move on because i can't imagine this is a bit like the l'oreal thing with monroe how do you go back reconcile and work with an organization who's treated you so badly all day mm-hmm. uh, in a very mm-hmm. public way and um the bbc they're now putting together what are, what they're going to do put together a, a quality and diversity panel to, mm-hmm. to make sure that every single news article news report is um sensitive <laughs> what what is the um the solution here i think it's like like we've said in previous episodes you can't you can't pinpoint what the solution will be but as much as i think as much as like people in those spaces like like you said can you imagine them now trying to build a team that is now going to have to look over these things and i personally think that if in the case that's what it has to be to ensure stuff like this doesn't happen again, mm-hmm. then it's going to have to be something like that. And in the same space, 
we can also say, oh, how could these people, you know, work for companies that are doing X, Y, and Z? But I guess maybe some people have the mentality where is it not better for me to be in that space and make a difference than to not be in the space at all? Now, this is not to say like mm-hmm. every single person that this is going to be the case because it won't. But I guess for some people, it might be a case where they're like, you know what, actually, I can speak up or maybe I didn't, I, di- I wasn't in the um in the space to be able to speak up but if I'm there and I work hard enough to get to the top to be able to make a difference maybe Mm. that's something I'd have to do because we do talk about these things in terms of like you know black people or you know minorities or you know all the all of the um all these people need to be in these spaces for these differences Mm. to be made and um we can't really do that unless it's hard to say that we can't do it unless we do it yeah no but it makes sense yeah but just Mm. coming back to that as well it's is, is a team enough in that case surely mm. the bare minimum should be that that practice of um like social justice equity should be the fabric should be the ethos should be knitted woven into organization from top to bottom rather than a little team being like okay mm. this is my checklist yeah did you say the end oh okay <laughs> well we mm. can publish this now <laughs> Do you know what i mean yeah exactly yeah I mean, I think what's happening now, um, and not with the B, not just with the BBC, but I think any sort of like corporation or organisation that has lasted for a really long time, like Dom says, there has to be deep assessment about the structures of how you're built, because like the very things that prop up your organisation or your corporate, the very processes, the very ways you make your money, all of those sorts of things, are deeply rooted in the history that has passed if you've existed as an organization like the bbc has for hundreds and hundreds of years you're going to have deep structural problems Mm. and i think it's very naive to think that that hasn't like led to why they felt it was appropriate to put something like that out i'm sure like not just in leadership but just in like the very things they have written down about what content kind of gets passed through is appropriate and what doesn't there's going to be inherent problems in all of that um and I'm like I'm not calling for blood and stuff but to me I just think those people that sat in the room then and made that decision what happened to those Mm. people what is being done about those people because that's not okay if you're a senior executive of a broadcasting like conglomerate or house and you've made that decision that has to be addressed because it's not okay that you get to that point and that's the way that you wield your power um so yeah I think they've got to like deeply deeply look at everything and be transparent mm-hmm. about it and show people I think for me if I boycott tomorrow and they come back with action I want to see what you're doing mm-hmm. otherwise I'm not watching oh well Bake Off's gone off BBC One now but I'm not watching <laughs> I'm not watching anything on iPlayer again I'm not like my TV license I'll make sure that I'm doing it legally I won't touch your channel so you can't play TV license I love how you have to quickly letters in my aim like, not going to play TV license <laughs> 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 play TV license guys um, but yeah and I think it, the flip side is it comes back to like the, why we're doing Black Pound Day I don't think like the black community is taken seriously enough for our role in British society or other societies and the power that we wield, um, our economic representation, like the amount of consuming power mm. we, we have, that's not considered valuable, even though it really, really is. Um, and yeah, I think we need to, they need to value that on the same level as they do other viewers, other consumers, all of that business. Um, so yeah, I would like to see both of those things happen. 
um, and then make a public commitment to both of those things happening, whether they will or not in my lifetime, I don't know. But for me personally, I think that would be a start. I mean, just to link on to Delilah's point, I feel like obviously certain voices are given a lot more airtime than others, such as the N-word was given airtime in that BBC News broadcast. And then also more recently, and there was a whole Karen petition that kind of got out into like the wider media. I know there was like a segment on this morning, which is like, again, daytime TV, like we were talking about earlier. And I think it was on various other things, like in America as well. I saw something on CBS, mm. but basically women who are called Karen are trying to reclaim their name um, for all those listeners that don't know what a Karen is. Ridiculous. No, no, it is ridiculous. And I was also trying not to laugh. A Karen, and this is a, a definition by our very own Urban Dictionary. Big up, Urban Dictionary. Um is the stereotypical name associated with a rude, obnoxious and insufferable middle-aged white woman. So basically, imagine speak to the manager as a person or as a group. That's your Karen. And like they've said they've like suffered a lot and shit basically because everyone's like, oh, Karen, like basically they're saying something racist, they're Karen. So I kind of just want to talk about whether this was necessarily necessary to be shown on daytime tv also the amount of attention that it was given i feel like there was a petition on change.org which is actually meant to be used for like charitable causes may i quickly mm. add and it's been given this so would anyone like to embellish on that of all the things that are going on in this world <laughs> and this is what is getting airtime oh the pressure olympics lord the olympics. i feel like they said it was the k-word as well you know Oh, did. oh guys there was a post where it was like okay we get like racism and patriarchy has been going on for a really long time but at this moment in time the k-word is more offensive than the n-word that was a comment under the petition and i really hope it was a troll because that in itself problematic say no more just like actually like pure psychosis <laughs> for you to be able to but the whole thing is me like the fact that that even got like time on daytime tv to be they had like a, a panel of parents <laughs> and then they all had to talk about their feelings and why they were feeling upset and i get this might link back to bite me in the bum for what I said earlier when I was like, if someone tells you that something's offensive, <laughs> then you should just leave them. But like, honestly, Karen, really? Karen is not an identity. Oh. Like, that's just your name. And I think if you are offended by people calling you that, you need to maybe reflect on your behaviour mm. because there is like, it's like somebody can say to me, oh, you're X, Y, Z. If I haven't done those things, I don't care what you've called me. Like, I didn't do it, but I think people get really offended when they can maybe see a reflection <laughs> of themselves. They know they spoke to the manager. That. They know. You, you know how we use that scent? They're being called out you in their name. You know how we use that scent? This thing oh. relates to, like, a larger picture here, because, mm. like, in terms of, in the US specifically, calling the police on people mm. just minding their business. Oh, Amy Cooper. Yeah, like Amy Cooper. Like, um, that kind of went viral and, kind of came under the umbrella of like Karen-ness um, mm. and then that mm. is just linked to like a larger history um, of kind of like white woman tears and like the weaponization of like white fragility and like white femininity and how they're um, 
like specifically they need to be protected and they're in danger <clears throat> I think of this kind of relate back to what um um like the stuff that jk rowling was saying it was all very much like under the eye what feels safe and kind of evoking mm, this like white fragility or oh, white woman uh, fragility mm. so um yeah i just think that yeah the internet is a wild place and like Karen was originally a meme the fact mm. that this has become a word that has now been used in i mean that people so karen's specifically are so offended by it links mm-hmm. back to all of that history like people are sometimes like oh this has got nothing to do with this but it's like everything is so interconnected when you think about it really it. does like you can't just dismiss mm. so you can't i think people think it's like we're just making it up and but like this whole like the whole like karenness it's just an evolution of what was a political strategy throughout many things throughout colonization they used it massively throughout india where they would literally like use the danger of white women to justify their treatment of um men in india um literally like throughout everything there has been a trope of creating this kind of like fragility around them to justify the actions of how they treat other communities um and I think the flip side of it is that I just think it's mad that they were given the airtime to talk about it because we all know as black women the kind of like oh my God. the trope that was built around us because of names mm. has been incessant and it has been going on ever since we were little like the amount of time you would go somewhere people would call you like Shaniqua and stuff like that like just do you know Mm. what I mean and it's like great this whole Karen thing has been created to summarize the danger of people using their like identity to oppress Mm. others yet we've had to endure really horrible racist stereotypes created out of names that have nothing to do with us and what we do to people other than the fact that we just exist um and it's like well well where was the airtime for that mm-hmm. where was the airtime that for was that? just a but joke. you want to give this airtime yeah. like um, it really shows the power um, of the internet yeah, no, it does and i know like people don't think the name thing is serious but i know dom you you said that you had a really like like horrible experience with it and lots of black women have it happens all mm-hmm. the time like i talk about this meditation like renaming practices is so traumatic like there's instances specifically like that I read about South Africa where like a, a black woman would work in a white woman's house they'd be, both be called Margaret and the white woman would tell the black woman oh you can't be called Margaret because I'm Margaret I'm gonna call you L or like Brenda or something like completely different when you talk about as well like it just thinks so far back into like the, the mm. loss of identity like people were given names and they were renamed and they were lost that part of their heritage so I know like names seems like a very um I guess small or like um really a kind of significant compared to the border picture but there's still so much history behind it um that we can't really mm-hmm. ignore so I just wanted to contextualize that a little but mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but I think the Karen thing obviously it's got nothing to do with you actually being called Karen 
It really like, doesn't. That's it's what like, okay, actually, isn't anything. Okay. It's, it's, to, it's to do with your oppressive, mm. very, like, um, entitled, westernised behaviours, like, your aggression towards other people who are minorities and just feeling like you're more important than everybody else. That's what it's about. And if you don't want to be called that, then don't do that at the end of the day. I'll be honest, if someone mm. says the name Karen, my first thought isn't, yeah, like, I wish people could see I'm that. Not... <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, forget people can't actually see on <laughs> But isn't I don't hear the name Karen. I think, <laughs> like I start laughing. No, it's literally like Del was saying. Like you're referring to a specific action that is occurring that has been occurring, and God forbid will continue mm-hmm. to occur. But you know, so then the fact that I'm I'm very curious as to why these women sat down and said what I've been going through is a Karen because. Again, like Dom said, we're not trying to take away what people say they are going through. But when you sit there and you like, what have you gone through? Because someone has said your name is Karen. I feel also, it's not only white women that are called Karen. I have an article called Karen. Where were the rest of... The... Exactly. Where were the rest, rest of the women from other areas of the world that were called Karen? Were they struggling too? Like... Mm. So, yeah, it was just very telling the way that they they painted the whole thing. Um, I was like, I don't think the issue here is that you guys are called the, uh, the fact that people yeah. are using the, cap, the word Karen. I think the issue here is that you don't like seeing people getting called out for certain behaviours. That is what they seemed more bothered about, um, which is extremely telling. TBA. What's the most Karen thing to do, really, is to go on daytime TV <laughs> and then petition about the word. Do you know what I mean? I think that is, that is the irony of it is just... <laughs> I've nowhere to say. Oh, Mel. I wish you guys could see Mel's face and how straight it looks when she said that. <laughs> Everybody else is laughing. I'm being deadly serious. <laughs> it's so true, though. It is literally like the embodiment like, of themselves. Do your brain is your brain not connecting? I just don't understand. <laughs> this is how I know we're living in a simulation. <laughs> don't stop. <laughs> just shoot something into the air. Okay, what? What are the key um, takeaway points? Who wants to summarise, Melly? It's on you, baby. Okay. So, those just have up today. Um, the key takeaway points are is that Wiley is cancelled and we fully agree with that. We wanted that as a beginning point and definitely as one of our end points too, just so nothing gets lost in translation. And yeah, I feel like just in case people listen to like one bit and then they're like, what the fuck? Um, <laughs> and also about how basically council culture should be used for the same way for everybody like we want it to be not just one group or one specific person gets penalized for one action we want it to be everybody you know we just want i think our stance on council culture is that we're calling for a bit more accountability but for that accountability mm-hmm. to be fair mm-hmm. such mm-hmm. as like mps and prime ministers or anybody mm-hmm. should be treated in the same way as a black man saying something that is completely rude, completely offensive and racist. Um, also, to boycott the BBC tomorrow is another takeaway point for our listeners. The date will be the 19th of August. Everybody, don't forget. <laughs> and Oppression Olympics, basically, we just wanted to obviously highlight how in itself that is ridiculous because anyone who is marginalised or is oppressed doesn't have the time, energy and perhaps is even too oppressed to compete about their own oppression <laughs> so basically anyone who's called Karen is trying to say they're oppressed I'm sorry, I don't know what you may have been through but com- I don't, 
I feel like the Kyle Karen position was ridiculous. And that's what I've got to say on the matter. Okay. She, said what she, she did said. say what she said. She said what she said and she meant what she said. I said what I said. Exactly. Wait, I said what I said and I meant what I said and I said what I meant. Period. <laughs> <laughs> I feel um, like that needs to be the outro. I'm, 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 I'm pretty sure someone else said that. I think someone said that already. I feel like that's, no, feel like that's someone's finish. YouTube outro, so I don't, we're not trying to copyright no. anyone. Oh, it's not copyrighted. Let's put it with like speed marks um but yeah now we've got all the serious stuff out of the way i just wanted to tell you guys about the time time that wiley actually tried to fight me on twitter when i was talking <laughs> <Because> <laughs> when we were planning this episode i spoke about it and i was like i don't think it's appropriate but you guys were like no come to the table <laughs> and share your traumatic experience this is a safe space basically it was monsoon season he just released heatwave I tweeted, without asking him, by the way, <laughs> I just tweeted, why is Wiley releasing a song called Heatwave in the middle of the rainiest season of the year? Oh, and he added me back and he was like, whilst you're moaning in England, <laughs> I am in IB for having a great time, you prick. Um, and I was 14. Did he actually so, block yeah. you or did you just call you a prick? He called me a prick. He replied to my tweet when I hadn't added him and called me a prick. How would he have Steph found that? He didn't he search. He searched for himself. What a psycho. I'm sorry. To be fair, if um, I was famous, I'd probably yeah. do that as well. <laughs> Melissa McGrand. <laughs> <laughs> Just the nail in the coffin. Um, but yeah, thank you all so much for listening to this week's episode. Um, we publish episodes every second Thursday. You can follow us on Spotify and find us on Instagram at diaspora underscore collective. Um, and you can also find our follow-up resource roadmaps for each episode and other posts related to the issues close to our heart on our Instagram page. So yeah, mm. we, um, we hope you enjoyed this week's episode and there were some really great takeaways. And boycott the BBC. Melissa, up. Boycott. <laughs> boycott the BBC. Um like come with the same bim for every form of persecution oppression and racism because this is not the oppression olympics Mm -mm.